it's a wrestling show that isn't awful what the fuck are we gonna do it's survivor series 1998 it's a deadly game this week on nothing good Well, look what we have here. This is a really different, uh, nothing good going on. Uh, so we have, you know, returning guests. Uh, we got uh, Mac up there. We got Jeff over there. We got Mr. Brown. We got Doc. Uh, so guys, how are you guys doing? What's going on? How are you feeling tonight? Feeling good. Feeling frisky. How about you guys? <laughs> I'm feeling frisky now that you're feeling frisky. <laughs> I'm, really I'm about tonight. <laughs> I'm excited that Noah finally let me out of his basement. Well, I had to let you leave. It wasn't it, that I, I wasn't enjoying your company, and especially when you were asleep and you couldn't feel anything. But my wife is complaining about the smell. Well, mm. I asked I asked you for at least like a, an empty Windex bottle filled with like, you know, Dove soap and like a half a roll of uh you know paper towels but i just i didn't really quite get what i needed out of that you could tell it was max first time ever being abducted because he was making way <laughs> too serious of a request yeah, fat, fat guys don't typically get kidnapped often because it's Listen, it's a difficult task he spit on a towel and said clean yourself up it was fucking <laughs> it feels but so violated <laughs> from it i watched to make sure he did it and he did he did he got all so Obviously, uh, things are a little different. We're recording this virtually uh, with the four of us. We figured we try something a little different. When the time comes, when there's inclement weather or, you know, somebody got hit by a car or, you know, Lord knows what. But this is a good opportunity for the four of us to get together and talk about a really important pay-per-view in WWF history. Uh, that I'm really excited when uh, Mr. Brown said, hey, man, what do you want to cover wrestling? I said, I really want to cover Survivor Series 98. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I... Yes. Wait, we're not doing WrestleMania three. Shit. Uh, oh, God. Nope. Wrong Damn email. It. Wrong month. Right. Wrong year. Fuck. Yeah. That's not till February. Yeah, you wrote the wrong oh. notes. Twenty guys. This has been a lot of fun. So <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta go. We'll see you guys later. That's funny. Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about this. Yes, this yeah. is a really big, big show. Uh, Huge. A big show. Interesting. Um, pretty big show yeah it's a very transformative year and it's something that i think we're going to get into a lot more like if you look at wrestlemania 14 you know eight or so months earlier versus now how much has changed in the landscape of the wwf it's gonna be really fascinating, but um yeah before we before we get into wrestling in 1998 uh, i just want to ask everyone because we're virtual now and we're, we're not all in the same room so we're all drinking four different things at least yes statistically we should be so why don't we uh why don't we cue the listeners in and tell everyone what we're drinking this fine evening who wants to go Jeff. first i'll go first i am drinking an oreo yeah. seed wagon from Hitchhiker Brewing, <laughs> local brewery down the street. It's a uh, imperial stout, aged with uh, milk sugar and a shit ton of Oreos. Hence the that name. That sounds really good. 
Very nice. It is delicious. I like Hitchhiker. I, I, I got to give credit to the brewery who realized that, you know, when you come home from the bar at 3 a.m. and you're really fucking hungry and all you've got in the pantry is half a sleeve of Oreos and you've got one beer left in the fridge you got to tackle, all the nights they did that and they just finally realized, you know, if we combined this. Yeah, and then you, you name it after a band that Yinzers love, like Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, yeah, you really, you can't beat They that. really do. Everyone's yeah. got an and win win Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mac, what are you drinking? Well, uh, gents, I am drinking a red ale from Weeping Radish. Uh, this is North Carolina's first microbrewery. Uh, everything in the uh, brewery is uh, farm to table. Uh, they have a great restaurant there. Uh, the gentleman who owns and operates the place is uh, is from Germany, immigrated to the United States, and uh, opened up this fine brewery. Uh, Jeff and myself discovered this several years ago when uh, we all went on a vacation to Outer Banks, and uh, we've kind of made a tradition each year on our way uh, after vacation to stop there and get lunch and pick up some beers, and I, I save them just for a special occasion, and I figured Survivor Series 98, what's... Uh, a better uh better time to break it out i agree with that that's excellent uh well i'm just drinking because i'm not driving anywhere i'm in the confines of my comfortable warm home so i'm drinking hard <laughs> uh it's going all in. I'm drinking i'm drinking some bourbon uh gw um aged four or five years i can't remember what the bottle said but it's really good and i thoroughly enjoy it i'm gonna get liquored up for tonight uh, i'm looking forward to it <laughs> Beautiful. And then I'll, I'll round it out. I am drinking a Sweetwater G13 IPA from their 420 series. Uh, because if you can't yeah. decide if you want to drink beer or smoke weed, Sweetwater has you covered for both bases. Just yeah. do both. <laughs> Just to do both. Yeah. You but, can drink while it, you drink what tastes and smells like weed. You just don't get high from it. I figured on a on a show that has both Steve Austin and X-Pac, you need to find in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, and here we are. <laughs> you know, I, I I feel like a in a future episode, guys, we might need to do a throwback to uh, just all of us having some forties as we mm -hmm. uh, as we talk wrestling. Mm -hmm. you know, go go way way back. We'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. we'll see I don't about know where that. you find them these days. The liquor yeah. store, um, beer distributors, <laughs> right? They sell them, right? Yeah, six pack shop. Maybe so go in that dusty corner of the beer distributor. I don't <laughs> typically make it to and see yeah. if you guys have any forties and then they're just going to follow me around the store. Some uh, straight malt liquor, man. Yeah. Can't go wrong. It can't go good better than it should be. <laughs> we, we know that we know that from firsthand experience too, don't we? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's never but, as good as we thought it was <clears throat> the last time. So <laughs> progressively gets worse. <laughs> yes. But Agreed. you know what's actually somewhat as good as we thought it was? Uh, wrestling in 1998. Before we get started with the show, I think it'd be kind of cool to kind of check in with where we are in wrestling in 1998. Now, based on our previous wrestling episodes, the first of which was the Montreal Screwjob, uh, we dived hard into 96 and 97. Well, here we are one year later from that pivotal wrestling moment, and wrestling is completely different in 1998 yes. uh yes. on top of the world wrestling is it's the hottest it's ever been it has officially blown up on one side you have the world wrestling federation who we're covering today has stone cold steve austin his star 
has risen and has arrived. And so many people are on, on the heels of him as the next big things in the WWF. And on the other side of the Monday Night Wars, the NWO is going strong. And as this show yes. takes place in mid-November, Goldberg is in mid-streak in his run. Everybody's peak 90s DX is a thing. The NWO is a thing. The Four Horsemen are still a thing. Every the Wolfpack are a thing. Yes. Right? Wolfpack, NWO, Hollywood? Yeah, there's a there was a lot to love in wrestling in that time. I mean, we were peak attitude era. We were right in the oh, throes yeah. of it. And so it was an exciting time to be a wrestling fan for sure. Mm-hmm. And you had so yes, many and you had so many guys that we look back on and, and you see our Hall of Famers that are in their prime or are just entering their prime. You know, I know we'll talk about this as we get into the pay-per-view, but, you know, the age of so many of the superstars that, you know, worked in that pay-per-view, you had nobody who you would even consider as being even slightly past their prime. You had everybody going um, at at such a high level athletically and, um, you know, just uh, in-ring ability. I mean, there's Dwayne Gill, you know. Listen, I mean, there is surprise. I was, I spoiler with the exception of Dwayne Gill. Just you mean you? You just destroyed one third of what I plan to talk about (laughs) by bringing up Dwayne Gill. He's going to give all the stats of that little league team that he coached. I Pasadena Chargers. Yeah, Pasadena Chargers. I I love that. That's the only thing that I missed, guys, is my Pasadena Chargers t-shirt did not come in before we started <laughs> recording the podcast. So I blame, I blame I blame the delays in the mail delivery process. Damn holidays here, guys. Supply you chain's know, the, a bitch. The first thing I noticed about the show, like the first 45 seconds, like the intro, and I was like, the first thing that popped in my head is, and it's always kind of this recurring theme when I watch old pay-per-views, the WWF took itself so much more seriously back then mm-hmm. like it took because i mean look yeah it's fictional it's predetermined endings yes and everybody knows this but in that bubble that is the wwf in that moment it was the most important thing it was a deadly games everybody thought they had a shot at the title and it made you feel like everybody had a shot at the title yeah and that that like four minute promo package that they put together before the event which basically summarized the previous six months and everything that had happened like yeah you already know what you're getting yourself into but like that got me so amped like going into into it because i'm like oh yeah there's this could be good there's quality and then some shit happens well you know uh, I will give you a statistic uh, of the 14 man tournament and the 28 people that wrestle on this show. Only nine of them are not Hall of Famers. Let me put it Dwayne Gill. Dwayne, <laughs> Gil, Dwayne Gill and eight other, who knows, are not <laughs> Hall of Famers of the 28 yet. people. Headbangers. Yes. Yet. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Gill, yet. Yep. So. Still time. Uh, so yes. here's one last little statistic about wrestling in 98 that I actually kind of want to give you in here. So we all lovingly refer to the, this time in the <laughs> WWF as the Attitude Era and this time in wrestling as the Monday Night Wars. But just two weeks before the show, 13 days before the show took place, is the day, November 2nd, 1998, that the WWF overtook Nitro in the ratings and never looked back. They never lost again yeah. on the road 
to this pay-per-view. So for a lot of mm-hmm. reasons, this is an incredibly important wrestling pay-per-view. And as I mentioned in the intro, it's actually good, which I don't know yeah. what to do with. That's a solid show. People <laughs> fucking <was>. each other. <laughs> you know, um, I, I want to comment about this here real quick before we really move into the pay-per-view. But Jeff, you mentioned something that, I, you know, in recent months everybody wwe has had a number of different television shows that Mm -hmm. have been on other channels where they did the the one show where they were trying to put together artifacts for the ww museum and they were doing these documentaries on wrestlers and performers and everything and you know i I don't remember where exactly i heard this but they're saying about how one of the things that they really try that they really attribute the wwe's you know foothold was just how seriously and how fucking good those promo videos were for those pay-per-views oh, yeah. where mm-hmm. their editing department and their their video teams putting those things together it's like a it, it's like the greatest fucking movie trailers you ever could come across pumped full of viagra just fucking rock hard for 4 minutes just just balls to the wall and they were able to prior to any match no matter how good or, or or how really pointless it was for the card could just get you so amped before it started oh, yeah. that no matter what came afterwards you were already at a heightened level of of you know just anxiety waiting for it to to go off so um you know jeff as you mentioned that i think it's great to kind of just give some props to the video department for wwe because yeah. i really think that that helped push them uh, yeah, I mean, on the flip side, w- WCW, their promos were trash. They're uh, so yeah. bad. <laughs> we, we've spoken about this at length of how, so no matter bad. how big and how, because let's uh, be honest matter. here, yeah, it was WCW shit. was a big deal for a quite a long time in the wrestling world with the NWO, and no matter how much money they made, no matter no matter what, their promos sucked. It's like they just didn't put enough effort and maybe they felt like they didn't have to because to a point they didn't really have to just knowing that hollywood and goldberg and luger and sting if they, they're all going to be on the show I'll, sh- I'll tune in but the wwf man they're the machine and they know how to promote because they're a promotion <laughs> yep. they know how to promote a show well you yeah. said it in our our halloween havoc episode that wcw is uh wwf is a promotion a wrestling promotion that promotes wrestling and wcw is a tv show about wrestling but it's right. interesting that their production quality was always lackluster and i think my opinion of why it is is because they wcw didn't have any national recognition until ted turner bought it and when ted turner right. bought it he, it's built in television right there they never had to earn it they never had to try to swing up they never had to worry about keeping their spot until the company went under right but right. vince mcmahon he went from uh regional syndicated programming to national to nbc to filling the slot left by saturday night live in the 80s so he had to uh, kick his you know his coverage punch up in his weight class and since then it's like what is the best way to get a television audience's attention oh my god it's good fucking television so it helps yeah it helps it's a novel concept there yeah vince always had his eye on what television was going to do for professional wrestling and you know when you look back on his legacy and everything that he really created that's one of those things that i don't know that'll get talked about because it's maybe not necessarily as big as his character was and what his character did for wrestling 
but um, just he always had that eye on television and knew that was was, was going to push his promotion into the stratosphere and never, never let that get out of his perspective. Agreed. Very true. Very true. Well, well, speaking of the McMahon character, I think right before we jump in, it's important to catch us up on what I would think of the three key storylines going into this pay-per-view, which kind of set 98 and extremely well 99 up here at this pay-per-view the return of the Dwayne Gill one, yeah I mean the return <laughs> yeah. of, that's, just, that's just what it is it's after two years the big, one, the big one off the top here is McMahon and Austin right and the whole yeah, reason of course. this tournament uh because at SummerSlam 1998 live from Madison Square Garden Highway to Hell Austin beats The Undertaker which leads to The Undertaker turning heel uh, setting up a uh, handicap match at the September pay-per-view between Austin against both Undertaker and Kane. Whoever pins Austin wins the belt. Well, they both pin Austin, leaving the belt up in limbo. This is going to be a theme happening here. So October comes around, and McMahon decides there's got to be a champion. So it's going to be The Undertaker versus Kane with Austin as the referee. Austin doesn't declare a winner. He'll be fired. Well, fucking spoiler he doesn't declare a winner he declares himself <laughs> a winner and is promptly fired this brings in shane mcmahon who is a very new character on wwf television and he says that sucks no way and he gives steve austin a brand new five-year contract five years five years and shiny new deal iron class response to this vince mcmahon demotes his son <clears throat> into the position of a lowly referee right. setting us up for the 14-man tournament, giving Undertaker and Kane a bye into the quarterfinal. On the other side of the McMahon storyline, it's McMahon and Mick Foley. Mm -hmm. Now, since Mick Foley got his ass straight tossed off the Hell in a Cell in 98, he's been on a weird character arc. Kicked out of his faction with Kane and Paul Bearer, kind of generally coming up. A little bit of matches with Shamrock, a little bit of a brief Intercontinental title feud that we won't talk about. But ultimately, he decides that he needs a father figure and being manipulated by Vince McMahon, enter Mick Foley in this entire storyline of the fall, trying to kiss up the Vince McMahon and be the chosen one that he he sees himself as. But Mick Foley looks like a, a train wreck as a person. And so Vince McMahon. But in the in this buildup, we get such memorable. I mean, literally within three weeks of each other, we have McMahon in the hospital. Assaulted by Austin, mm -hmm. the yes. bedpan shot, the creation of Mr. Socko to try to make Mr. McMahon feel better. And then two weeks later, in order to make Mick feel better and to manipulate him further, he gives Mick an old beat up WWF championship and calls him the hard hardcore champion. Yeah, hardcore champion. And as a way to say that looking at his dogs in the race at the beginning of this, McMahon says, well, Mick Foley's the best I got and decides to give him a clear, easy path to the finals so it would seem but speaking number three of paths that aren't clear to the final it's of course the rise of the rock the rock has gone from losing the intercontinental title at SummerSlam 98 to triple h in the very match that would hurt triple h making him unable to appear for this pay-per-view one of my favorite matches i think of all time it's so good it's, it's an underrated match. ladder match it's so good Underrated that would be the match of the Rock really turned face. Like yeah. the New York City turned him face, really. Right there. But that's that like I don't remember him getting as big a face reaction ever uh, until that Never. night. 
Never. It was a groundswell. It was a little bit. It was getting there. He was so <laughs> bad. He was cool, right? But oh, sure. uh, NSG turned turned the rock pretty much. See that that match without getting too off topic here. Just just talking about it is is what made me fall back in love with wrestling again. Mm. You know, I I grew up with it, and then you know after you know Saturday morning superstars and everything, I just kind of got away from it as I went into my early, you know, preteen years and everything. And, you know, some of my friends were interested in wrestling. So we started getting the pay-per-views and watching them. And I just remember that match. And I still remember that match to this day, just rock and triple H for the intercontinental title. And just how much that match just made me really appreciate and love wrestling again. And of course you get two of the all time greats just cutting their teeth. Oh my and, super and, young, younger than we are. Yeah. I think everybody on the card is younger than we are now, but yeah, I, I just I just have such appreciation for that match. So but after that match, the nation turns on The Rock because, of course, he's a fucking babyface now, right? And starts The Rock on his solo babyface. And at this point, as we go into this show, The Rock is firmly the number two babyface in the company. Oh, he, he was white coming up. He was white hot. He, he was the people's babyface. He's the only other person. He's the he gets the second best pop on the entire show, and he gets it four times which would tell you how how mm -hmm. over this man was yeah. i never got diminished but here we are those three roads all converging into here november 15th 1998 now, there's, there's there's one little fine detail that was an excellent recap actually uh, i will add this little page here uh is that you know rock was babyface but on top of all that he had the ire of Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon hates the people, so therefore yep. he hates the people's champion. Yeah, by association. I, I yep. Yes. And I remember he actually, I think the, maybe, it wasn't the Raw before the pay-per-view, maybe a couple Raws before the pay-per-view, Rocky got his hands on McMahon and gave him a rock bottom in the middle of the ring. It actually was the November 2nd, 1998 show, the very show that turned the Monday Night Wars forever into WWF's favor. There you go. That, that, and that was when McMahon decides to put him in the position that he is in the tournament so yeah good good point good point so on you have your heels set you have your baby faces trying to overcome the odds there is no wwf champion and there's gonna be one at the end of the show it's a deadly game such a good song it's not even that good but it is it's it's so bad it's good mm -hmm. yes yes it's, it's one of those and I, I think it's interesting to note that this was the first Survivor Series that there were no Survivor Series matches. Good point. Yeah, it was. It was didn't just. Didn't realize that. It was just. <laughs> the, it was just the tournament, and then the women's title and the tag team titles. That was it. It's, it's absolutely it's, it's, right. You could kayfabe it. You could yeah. kayfabe it that way to like it, the tournament is the survival aspect. It is. Yeah, the, yeah it is the so yeah. it works. Yeah, and then yeah. Vince has that. He's just like fuck, fuck Survivor Series matches for ten years. I, I always love when when WWE takes their cherished pay-per-views and just says, fuck this for 10 years. <laughs> I feel like it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. eventually they come back to it like this is something we've never even like, oh, we're bringing this back. Yeah. And, for and, the first time ever, a 30-man Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I was, I was thinking the exact same thing when I was doing the rewatch of this Noah was that the, the tournament was in fact the survival series, but yeah, that's a good point that's, to make. That's, that's a good thing. Well, we've arrived at yeah. the show. So, here. First match we got, oh, Matt, do you want to take it since I know, um, before we, before we get to 
Dave fangirling over that in non-traditional fashion, we kick off the event with fucking McMahon coming down in his hover round with his cronies and basically laying out with Yeah. Laying out the accolades of Dave's favorite wrestler, apparently. Yeah. And, and, and when you, knowing that we all did, knowing where this pay-per-view ends up, yeah. where it goes, just the, in that whole McMahon, not subtle at all foreshadowing. Um, but it was so amazing because here we are a year later after Montreal, a mm-hmm. year before this, Vince McMahon wasn't a character. He was a, no. just a piece of shit with a pompadour and a suede jacket. It was like, what a maneuver. And now a year later, <laughs> he's the top fucking heel in wrestling. <laughs> so he How about that? that? <laughs> and so it's, a, it's, it's the opening match is McMahon's chosen competitor, Mick Foley out in a tuxedo and dress shoes and a tie and the hardcore title. And he's going to fight a mystery opponent. And back, why don't you fill us in on who his mystery opponent is? It was the Riddler. <gasps> <laughs> I mean, every, every time I, I looked at the bracket, it was just question marks. So I'm like, man, this is this is 1998. We're talking. This is a couple years after Batman Forever. We're still playing up on the Riddler angle. I mean, I love Jim Carrey's performance of it, but they just went hardcore sure. for it. You know, he even said it's been a couple years since you've seen this gentleman with the WWE, and I'm like, oh my god, it's Edward Nigma himself, the Riddler. <laughs> And I, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I mean, maybe my third favorite Batman villain, but you know, he's, he's still, he's still in Mount Rushmore. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, um, way to put it. it was Dwayne Gill, ladies and gentlemen, Gill. it was Dwayne, the Dwayne Gill. The, I mean, it is so hard for me to just not call him Gilbert. Right. Well, this mean, was pre Gilbert. So, well, I, I know, but that's how I, that's how I know him. <laughs> <laughs> you know when 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 your when your streak and everything that you've done is so iconic that you're able to spoof him as well. But right. I I mean spoiler alert I like Gilberg a lot better than I like Goldberg, <laughs> like way better. Oh. Bill Mister uh, Biscuits Goldberg. Oh man, he's just he's just the worst. But I thought the really nice touch whenever they bring Gil out, which. If this was any other time in wrestling and any other promotion, whenever you hype up a mystery person and it ends up being a jobber from eight years ago, it would let all the piss out of the room. But because this was right. the opening match during the peak of the Attitude Era, everyone was like, fuck, yeah, okay, this guy, shit, okay, here we go. But I love when he comes out and he points up to the big Jumbotron above the ring and they've got him just getting <laughs> super five splash, everyone hitting their finish on him. <laughs> yeah. Then he gets then he gets scared by the pyrotechnics behind him. Mm-hmm. Love Catches it. him off guard. Perfect. He wasn't ready for it. Catches him off guard. Being scared by the pyro on pyro was one of my favorite gimmicks. And before that ever. match even started, when McMahon was kind of like talking up this this person who's supposed to be the mystery opponent, they were chanting HBK, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't oh, yeah, think get any more far apart. So opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cr- the crowd was, the crowd was pushing for that for sure. Hard. Um, I don't blame them. Oh, uh, so but they so were wrong, and that match was thirty seconds. Yes, yeah, it's it pretty short. You could say it's there short, was really not but, much to it. It's but, not the shortest match no, of the night. It is seven <laughs> times longer than the shortest <laughs> match tonight. That sounds that seven times longer than a lot point. of things for for me too at my age. So. 
He gets the win. He does. And then we move on to a stable promo. Shoots a cradle what? unnecessarily. Mick Foley's just yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wrestle this guy's dead body for <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. But yeah, Foley so, wins and advances but, into the first round uh, of the show. Yeah. Now I do do ratings on matches, but are there's this and one other match, I'm not gonna give it a rating because it's a storyline. All it is is it's basically an advanced promo, right? So right. uh but but you know, later on we'll hit some ratings up. But up next is a sa- a promo from Sable. Yeah, with the ice with the ice pack, <laughs> with an ice pack on, and uh, and all she says is she's pissed. Yeah, Listen, she got attacked by Jacqueline on the good promo for her. It, she didn't screw it up. It wasn't awkward. It was just point A, point B, cut. It's easy on a show that has Stone Cold, The Rock, Vince McMahon, Mick Foley, The Undertaker, Kane. And a myriad of other people, the New Age Outlaws, to forget the how fucking over Sable was in 1998, dude. Yeah, huge, huge. Is there any person that was older than eight years old when that aired that didn't want to see her tits? Is I mean, we technically person? all did at one point live on That's TV. Not- that's true. Yes. I, I cannot possibly express that we should be very careful what we're saying because that is Mrs. Brock Lesnar now, and. Brock Lesnar oh. is a bear in a man costume. <laughs> a man with a bear with a cock tattoo on his chest. Yeah. Just right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say that. Say that. <laughs> I ain't saying shit. He's not gonna listen to this. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, hope he not. just cuts out suddenly. <laughs> uh, hey. But yeah, she's promoting. She is indeed gonna wrestle for the women's championship later in the night, and so that's a thing that we have to look forward to. But our next match is two guys that I just like of all the matches I remember from this show, I forgot that this was a, a fucking match. It's Double yeah. J Jeff Jarrett versus Al Snow. And Al Snow. Snow. We Paul passed ahead. Oh, dude, I tell you what. So, so, so Jeff, yeah, you go for it. I was gonna say this is this three minutes and thirty one seconds. Um, easily my favorite iteration of Jeff Jarrett in all of his entire career that I remember. Um, he just, you know, don't piss me off. You know, he's just, his character was so cut and dry. I loved it. You know? Oh, it was, this gimmick was less than three months old because he was still country music guy mm-hmm. until SummerSlam mm-hmm. 98. Then Xbox mm-hmm. cut off his hair and he started on this road. And Deborah has been in the company less than a month at this point. Yeah. It was like two or three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hell of a thing. And so he was out. I think Deborah, people had immediately started gravitating towards Deborah's tits. But Jeff hadn't gotten the heat for he hadn't figured out to withhold the tits from everybody yet. So he hadn't right. got that heat at that point. But Al Snow, though, fuck oh, what does everybody want? It was over. Al was way over. more than I feel like it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's oh, odd. It's an odd thing. That was that was a time where where everything yeah. was was over. I yeah. mean, they, they were they had built it to a point. You know, when you're in survival mode for as long as the WWE was and you had everything taken away from you and you're forced to figure something out to bring yourself from the ashes, basically, you know, at that point. Yeah. Everything was at such a was at such a boiling point that, uh, you know, almost every gimmick kind of worked, you know, it did. did. No, Al's one of the one of the very 
early iterations of somebody who, first of all, journeyman wrestler, all his life. He was in the New Rockers. He was Avatar. <laughs> Uh, and right. a, a lot of he wrestled in basically every promotion, but this is the gimmick that one of the first gimmicks that shows up in Attitude Era WWF, having been perfected in ECW. That's right. Right. Yeah. So here's an and whenever you hear that age old adage that there would be no Attitude Era without ECW, uh, the fact that this guy is over because his gimmick is based around blowjobs um, is a perfect example. But there's ECW's influence. <laughs> My talking about ECW and Al Snow, just when he would enter the ring and they threw all the mannequin heads in when he'd be in the ring. It's one of my favorite so, things that 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 has happened with intros, you know, for any really wrestler at that point. You know, I I think it, in terms of that interaction with the crowd, that's iconic. With the heads, yeah. I remember oh, yeah. the, the the styrofoam heads. Yeah, the oh, styrofoam so heads, and just filling the ring, and him jumping around and head banging the head, and just it was great. That's, yeah, like, that's how you get a, a baby face over. Yeah, and the the character was just so like he had a mental illness. Clearly, he wasn't right in the head. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm um, um actually this match specifically re like just reinforces my thought that while although I think Jeff Jarrett's a fine wrestler, I just. <laughs> I just don't like his wrestling style. I just never did. I don't get with it. It just his character. I find more interesting than his actual ability. He's not bad. He's no, very he's, good. He's the prototypical. He's just not. Wrestler. He's just yeah. He doesn't do any one thing particularly stand out. He just does everything well, which is a good thing. Which is why he's been had been around for so long. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I, I think it had to have been Al Snow who did the the Alabama Jam and missed. Uh, mm -hmm. I respect anybody who come off the top rope with a leg drop and miss. Yeah, that's some balls, that's man. You can really hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, my thoughts on this match right away, and I'll let you guys jump in. Was immediately about a minute into this match, was that it was already better than ninety percent of the wrestling we have reviewed on our show thus far, <laughs> with the exception <laughs> of Eagles and uh, and and Austin. And the tag match from Halloween Havoc '95. This is so we reviewed a lot of WCW, brother. <laughs> yeah, this is already good. <laughs> I like the kayfabe sense in this because here we are, and they make the and Jr. and King. First of all, my first note on the entire show was, "Oh my God, Jim Ross and and Jerry the King Lawler." Like that's the fucking dream mm -hmm. team to have call your show. But they reiterate that all of these first round matches are ten minutes, and if you don't win, fuck it. Next You're round, yeah, it's on to the next one. And so he absolutely, 1,000%, uh, they wrestle like that. And every match in this opening uh, part of the show uh, wrestles with a sense of urgency. Like, you have to beat the guy you're wrestling, and you have to beat him now. So there's literally every part of this match is move, try to get a pinfall. Move, try to get a pinfall. And it's two guys that have been wrestling for 10 years at this point right. that know how to tell a story. And their story is, I want to fucking win and fast. So, Jeff, what do you think about the match? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at the the whole bracket as, as in its entirety, like there's not a lot of depth on there. You know, you have Rock and Austin and Kane and Undertaker and Triple H if he was there in Mankind. And then the rest is just filler. Yeah, so like it, it doesn't matter because, you know, they're not going to advance past round two. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I wasn't I didn't feel invested in that. And you could really tell like where the WWE was at that time, like in the attitude area, like everybody was using weapons at all times. So it was like, yeah. 
yeah try to hit try to hit the guitar try to hit head and it's like <laughs> and and then you'll see chairs and stairs and everything else later on throughout the night but yeah. it was like the referees like i don't care <laughs> Like there was a lot of just let it go. Yeah. Unless it's a nightstick, I don't care. That's the only thing I'll get you disqualified. (laughs) It's it's funny you you mentioned you can use the head as a weapon, uh at that the best the single best line of the entire show was by my man JR when when Deborah (laughs) grabbed the head. Like I don't know. He just goes, because what does she know about head anyway? And I'm just like, brother, nope. <laughs> Jim. They could get away with a lot more then than they yeah. can now. Oh, you got away with so much. I love it. Love it. <laughs> Mac, thoughts on this match? Well, you know, so it's it's been a while, gentlemen, since I've really gone back to the Attitude Era to you know kind of revisit some of those matches and. You know, as you kind of said, Noah, that, you know, even this being an opening match and, you know, Jeff, you saying this being kind of a filler match, it's already better than 90% of the stuff that you've kind of reviewed. And I also kind of feel like it was, it's almost better than 90% of the stuff we probably see today. True. Not saying that the athletes are or are not um, better than they were then. It's just, you know, that everybody that was in this card, even going down to probably, you know, one of the most obscure, but it's not obscure now, Regal. Yeah. But that whole gimmick. Mm-hmm. But you know how good of a worker he is and how, how good of a, of a wrestler he was. That Just that, that, that card is just solid from top it to bottom. Stacked. And, it is stacked. And, and that match being the first one, you know, almost feels like level one of a really good video game. Like you're kind of gearing yourselves up, going back to visit it and being like, man, this is this is something that's that's going to be pretty great and you and you know that with those matches that it's going to build up to that 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 ultimate match at the end and is it going to be rock versus austin are we going to have undertaker versus austin you know what combination of these guys are we going to get is something going to happen with austin and uh it's just a nice way of kind of setting that stage and i thought it was a, a a decent match i think for what it needed to be it was fine but um but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, um, but I do agree with a lot of the sentiments that you guys said. Um, I've never been a big Jeff Jarrett fan. Um, I've liked Al Snow. So, you know, kind of seeing Al Snow get his uh, get the victory there was was fun. I like Jeff Jarrett because he has the same name as me. <laughs> that's two, two together. Yeah, that's that's the extent of that. <laughs> but the finish sees um, the finish sees. Uh, both men try to use each other's signature weapon, yep. and it ultimately right. goes Al's favor, uh, and Al Snow wins uh, via using head to his advantage. So, uh, I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but I gave this match 2.5 heads are better than none. <laughs> I guess they are. It's clever. Um, so, we, we move on to uh, Stone Cold and the big boss man. man. Uh, and I gotta tell you, you know, I've been a fan of Big Boss Man, Bray Trailer for a long time. Uh, and it's cool now that I'm going back and like doing a lot more research on old stuff. Listen to other wrestling podcasts and they cover old NWA or UWF and just, you know, or Mid-South. You start realizing that, man, Ray Trailer has been around for a hot-ass minute. Yeah, he was around uh, for a long time. He's been wrestling a long time. And, and more importantly, was really good at uh, reinventing himself multiple times. And I think even though a lot, lot of people who might listen to this may not realize that, like, the big bo- how big of a deal 
like people were younger than us, how big a deal Big Boss Man was in the WWF when he was hot. Yeah, I mean, he was over big. when he was rocking that when he was rocking the baby blues. Yeah, I mean, so, you figured he came in as a heel initially and then turned white on baby face. He did. And he left and he went, he gets, then he left and he goes back to WCW as big yep. Bubba Rogers, sort of an NWO, yeah. sort of not until eventually he's brought in just a few weeks before this as McMahon's secret enforcer wearing a mask. Um, so, so yep. there's a couple of notes about the big boss man that I want to say right here. First of all, I adore the big boss man, but I adore the big boss man's theme in this era. Like that was such a such an amazing heel theme. Like there's no way that sounds that's a babyface song, yeah. right? No, but it's no, that no, no, no. You're like, oh shit, he's coming out, and that, that whole SWAT look was badass. It was so it good. Made, it was it so made me good. think though uh, that he the way he was dressed, uh, it, which is essentially in street clothes, and so it made me kind of think and toss around. So I pitched it to you guys: top three wrestlers who compete in street clothes. Give me your top three. I'm going to throw to you, Mac. So are we talking in this era? Or are we talking like all time? All time. Well, so I, I, I think the list starts with, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to see him <laughs> in his street clothes. In his, in his jorts. That's who I had as number one also. And number one. In, in, in his Cena in his jorts. Yeah. Cena in his jorts. Um, He's on everyone's yeah. list. I mean, yeah, he has to be. I mean, I, I've, I, I've only rocked a pair of jorts once uh, in, I think, the last 20 years. And, I mean, at that point, it was even hard for me to see me. So, uh, I uh, think that, I know girls did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was good. So, um, so let me just go ahead and start by throwing throwing the obvious out there with Cena. Um, gosh, I got to think about who the other ones would kind of be. So, um, Jeff, I'll turn it over to you. Go ahead and throw uh, throw some out there. <laughs> yeah. So I had Cena on my list. I also had uh, Undertaker and his biker times because uh, he could. Cause he could still move and bump and everything else. Uh, he wasn't as slow as he has been in recent but years. He also looked like he was going to, he was going to sell you a crystal meth at a gas station too. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a versatile. He, he certainly could. And then, uh, my third was a way, way throwback Coco beware. All right. Okay. Third man. All right. What do you now? Hold on. Now what do you define as street clothes? I mean, street clothes, you're talking like, you know, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and first of all and jump on. I don't believe Jeff that you mean '80s Coco Beware. I think you mean the high energy, big parachute pants Coco Beware. That is right? what I recall. Yes. Yes, that when he was teaming with Owen Hart. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. That unfortunate tag team. Yeah, well, but hey, it was. <laughs> I I still have both of those guys in the little little Hasbro figures from those. That's like that's how I picture Owen Hart is with the the headband on so i would define street clothes as basically if you could go to a retailer and outfit yourself and what that <laughs> wrestler was wearing then it counts as a street clothes okay all right got it then all right cool all right yeah so so who's on your so yours oh me okay yeah sure uh i'm gonna buck the system and and, and not say john cena uh although that those it's excellent call at least the top three top three or just three in general 
three in just general. Three in general. Uh, so, in no particular order. Uh, uh, I guess uh, post Shield, Dean Ambrose. Um, okay. Uh, just incredible from ECW or most of his damn career. Okay. Uh, and Sandman, because if that don't get more go. lounge about relaxing than the Sandman. <laughs> for years smart man smart man my, the only other person around on my list because i had badass taker and cena on there as well was very similar to your answer i went new jack new jack there you go new jack. That's, a, that's a scary motherfucker right there i mean <laughs> I, I, I mean can we throw a little bit of love to the brooklyn brawler I mean, is or, there Erwin R. Shyster? Is there anybody? <laughs> is there anybody yeah. who who has been more, you know, in just? Hey, you're working tonight. I gotta, I gotta run to the mall. I gotta I find jeans and a t-shirt, <laughs> and let's let's roll. So, um, you know, I'll, you know, I I know it's probably because you wouldn't really think of it this way, but I I know in terms of even seeing Mick Foley in this as his as his cost as his wardrobe in this pay per view changes yeah. changes you know he gets when he's in that stage when he's wearing the dress shirt and he's mm. got the the brown sweatpants i mean i could even go ahead and say make the argument that those are street clothes that he's kind yeah. of wearing so you know i i um and i know we'll talk a lot more about mcfoley in this pay-per-view but going going back to what you're saying about boss man and in, in this um the unsung hero i think of this entire pay-per-view being boss man i mean he was the he was uh a catalyst for a number of things happening i swear to god for a second i thought the big boss man was coming in <laughs> you said what about me <laughs> uh, yeah i think there's a, there is a number of people on uh on the show that really get like a nod for for really kind of gluing this the show together but it's got a special vibe but speaking of special vibe and talking about yeah. the boss man, we get the fucking cover Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. on our wrestling so he show. Is, he is wrestling yeah. Steve Austin, uh, and he was and he was in those three minutes. He was keeping up with him. He was, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, boss man is incredibly agile for a big man. Yeah. Incredibly agile yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, Austin, man, the pop he got, he was as over as ever. Um, and the match, to be fair wasn't really anything special yeah um, it, was, it was okay two, two brawlers doing their thing it was entertaining austin got all his shit in <laughs> you know uh austin improved the two spots that he does he did make some match yeah. better yes uh but it was, it was a good match um wasn't like again it wasn't it was exactly what it needed to be and that's the thing about this show a lot of matches were exactly what they needed to be Mm -hmm. to yeah. get to where we needed to go yeah it's just putting uh, all the puzzle pieces together yeah yeah Nothing. yeah and then it and so it ends with boss man giving a nightstick beat down outside the yeah. ring gets yeah. dq'd gives austin the wind but in true wwf fashion nobody knows what condition stone cold is in we don't know if he's yes. going to make it to the second round we don't know if he's leaving in an ambulance we don't know it's a big mystery isn't that yeah. i think that's the quintessential vince mcmahon angle right it's been on like every major wrestling show that he's ever run he just wakes one night he'll, he'll he's the night before every show he's asleep in bed and he wakes up in a cold sweat he's like 
can't get to a medical facility. Can you make it up? <laughs> you can't they say hospital to a medical facility. <laughs> Every big show, but that is the quintessential. You're right, man. That's the quintessential Vince McMahon angle. Where will he be able to do it? That's how you build sympathy for. Yeah, and, and Jr. sells it. Oh, <laughs> every oh God, every night he, he sells it. <laughs> He's so just perfect. so good at what he does. <laughs> oh, yeah. genuinely. Um, so now we go to Wait, uh, that match. Wow. Austin wins by DQ. Oh, I rate it right. 2.5 nightsticks out of five. <laughs> there we go. Um, we only get so one now, after this, by the way. We, now, we, now we're into it. To me, one of the best matches of the night, uh, actually. Um, Regal and Uh I thought the match was excellent. Uh, and, but here's my thing, though. And it's, the match was eight minutes long, eight minutes like 10 seconds mm -hmm. long. In a, in a pay per view, that ha it's filled with three to five minute matches anything over six minutes that is not a main event match feels way too long it feels long yeah it's just like it went on forever but it was only a few minutes longer than the long like it but the match was good well and i i think what even makes that a little bit more jones when you're driving that home is that i think regal only had five moves in the whole match like I think yeah, he's, he's he got, had quite a bit of offense, right? He's he's got X Pac in so many different holds, and he's trying to choke him out, and he's trying to put him down. Um, well, that's because they have such contrasting style wrestling mm -hmm. styles, well, was, and yeah, and so you know, again, Jones, when you and I lived together, I, I had a chance to kind of really get back involved in wrestling and, and watching it every Monday night, and we. We had that as uh, as roommates. We'd always watch Raw on Monday night. I'd fall asleep for twenty minutes in the middle of it. Um, yeah. But um, you know, Regal was GM at that point. You know, and I I, I kind of didn't pay enough attention to his skill as a wrestler. And kind of going back and watching this match, and just like you said, Jeff, their styles are so different. But Regal worked so well in that match to be yeah. able to adjust what he was doing to be able to complement what X-Pac was doing. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite match of the night, but I just, again, one of those early precursor matches where it just, it sets a tone. We're starting to, in this first round, elevate a little bit into what's yeah. going to be coming later and i i thought it was a really fun match to to watch again yeah when i was watching it because i don't really remember that match and i for completely forgot about the man's man gimmick until i heard the music and i was like oh fuck, it's that <laughs> it's just yeah i scrubbed that from my mind consciously or something no, i forgot I all about it I wrote and, in my notes the first two things I wrote. I starred both of them. I'm like, listening <laughs> to Xbox's music is like peak middle school, high school for me. The vibes. Yeah. However, yeah. this real man shit is not peak regal. He's a man's man. No, just, <laughs> it's so bad. Just, just too when you look at Regal as he's coming down the runway for that match, he's half a village person, like <laughs> from from the shorts up, and he's a full professional wrestler from the knees down he's got the right. wrestling knee pads right. he's got the full wrestling boots and i'm like this doesn't fucking work at all but, it's such a strange decision but you can <laughs> you can kind of see where where the, the gimmick that was given to him versus like i'm also a fucking good wrestler so i'm gonna wear my boots yeah and yeah, and, yeah. And i'm like, a professional damn it i am a fucking <laughs> professional if you're gonna give me a man's, i'm gonna be a man's man as i'm walking out of here yeah 
So a couple so, of interesting notes to add about Regal and what he's wearing and what he's doing here. So first of all, I should come to no surprise that I absolutely fucking love this match. <laughs> I loved every fucking second of this match. It did not go too long. It should have gone longer. They were inhibited by a 10 minute kayfabe time, time limit. And there's a lot of reasons why I fucking love this match. But the two things that I got to first of all express is that when he's a man happened, I had a pizza roll in my mouth. <laughs> And I started choking because I had fucking forgot. <laughs> right? Everybody <laughs> forgot about that. It's like, oh god, no! But then you realize, oh shit, William Regal. Here's another thing: William Regal is thirty here, thirty years old. He looks thirty-eight all the time. Yeah. He looks forty-two all the time. But yeah. here's 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 a note of how he looks he like is. Sean Bean in Goldeneye all the time. That's what all I think. Like always smells something bad, right? Like, but he'd been wrestling for fourteen years at this point. 30 mm -hmm. but wrestling for 14 years so you could put that man and i always imagine that gimmick kind of came up where vince said we gotta do something with you pal i ain't nobody gonna get behind a, a british snob wrestler and then he just sees some grip with a flannel movements when you do that mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. buddy <laughs> such good shit uh, but, 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 <laughs> the match starts so hot because like we said earlier everyone is uh trying to get this time limit thing in um but it's but it's like x-pac is so fast and i think regal is I, one of those people on the short list for me of greatest technical wrestlers to never be a world champion right like never never got it right never got not right. the thing but one of the other great wrestlers that never got a world championship from is xbox john waltman dude was like some of the matches he's had he's had matches quality matches every single person who was wwf champion like throughout for until he left he was just fantastic but the match had excellent fast page wrestling uh yes. sensical counters Mm -hmm. But the thing I want to draw a note to you guys, having all of us watch wrestling for a long time, is they did a spot in this match where uh, X-Pac's on the top. Uh, and first of all, Regal, fucking, when he went to post him on the top rope, he didn't just lift him over. Oh, he, he posted him on He chucked him up there, yeah. Slams yeah. him down. You're like, that's that's such good shit. And then as he climbs up to lay, some, lay into him, first of all, he hit the superplex. But there was a spot where uh waltman goes for the sunset flip off the corner and regal does the the catch mm -hmm. him um, like the whoa the aloha arn kind of a thing rolls through and the only time i've ever seen this hits a slingshot from the other corner and it doesn't he doesn't he's not magically in position to hit the top of the thing he just flat out takes a face bump on across the ring it's like, oh, that's how that move's supposed to look like if a corner doesn't magically materialize in your way. <laughs> well, Fucking you know, incredible. I, I, I think you've drawn a good point here, Noah, in terms of, you know, you had a lot of guys at this point that, you know, you know, were so conditioned to the WWE way when you watch wrestling today that you miss out on these, these wrestlers who had to travel the world and work with different people and work different styles and were able to really hone their craft. And, you know, the pacing of these matches, the, the moves and counters and being able to adjust to things, not being perfectly where they're supposed to be, but still pulling it off. You could see how much easier that was for these guys in ring than it is today. And, and, and you, mm -hmm. and you felt in the match that, you know, even though they're building up this, to, to certain spots in the match, you don't feel like that it's all 
that the match is just spot driven. And, yeah. you know, I, 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 that's another thing that I, I kind of going back watching this pay-per-view, just having an, a better appreciation for just how wrestlers wrestled uh, and learned to wrestle back then. Very true. Very true. Agree. Well, the match goes into a double count out. Um, that's a very limp finish, but yeah, so well, here's, here's a true, here's a fun fact about the match. Uh, uh, McMahon orders slaughter to jaunt his ass out to ringside to restart it. And he goes to, but, uh, Sean Wolman had already been walking to the back. That's because they he were supposed to crawl to the back. Yeah. He hurt his collarbone. He hurt his collarbone mm. and would, and would be, uh, out for six weeks after the show. So they're supposed to continue oh, the yeah. Xbox feud. Yeah, he, he, he was like, fuck it, I'm out. He's nope. like, I can't. <laughs> right, so I, I, I muscled through it for a little bit, but no, I'm done. Yeah, fuck this collarbone up. So he's out. Uh, but Austin gets a bye into the next round of the pay-per-view. Which Vince McMahon was not too pleased. Not keen mm -mm. at all. You mean, you mean first half pay-per-view, Professor Xavier? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... So we're gonna go straight into the next match, or do we finish? We we, I guess I think we, we will. We yeah, I think we finished it. We wrapped that one up. Okay, we did. Okay. So, all right, next matchup uh, was a match that I surprised myself with how much I enjoyed it. Actually, for only being just under six minutes, was Shamrock and Goldust. Uh, yeah. And there's something that I believe Jeff said earlier. Uh, it really resonated with me. Is just like the music, like all these different things really just brought me back to WWF the music volume four real hard <laughs> it really does bring you back oh yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. um just theme songs ever just shamrock's theme you know undertaker all those guys Devo brown all that. but this mm -hmm. match in particular um it's it made me realize something about ken shamrock at this dude he's a beast like oh my god he was a machine like he looked like a superstar he legit bad and he was a badass and he it was it's crazy oh. he came out his first match his only match he got almost no reaction from the crowd and i'm like what well, happened? he just turned heel well, That's yeah, where they didn't get a reaction. <laughs> they didn't yeah, I mean, boo <laughs> or anything. They just like, yeah, it was hey. it was nothing. It was just quiet. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think like when you look, at, if you look at those two guys in comparison, him and Goldust, like like he's a true athlete. Like sure. I would not want to run into that guy like in an alley or pick a fight with him. Like <laughs> I don't want to run into Goldust in an alley either for other reasons. Well, but <laughs> depends on what year God, Shamrock, talking about. Shamrock would beat the shit out of you. Goldust right. will do some other shit to you. But Goldust would ask you to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then just spit on him when you're done. And ask for another. Uh, just spit on him. Just spit, just spit it on really him. is unfortunate because, and this is the first time I'm going to mention this, you know, eight or so months earlier, uh, at WrestleMania 14, Ken Shamrock was a pretty big deal, getting pretty good reaction in the crowd. He was feuding with The Rock for the Intercontinental title. Yep. Uh, as the face versus The Rock being the heel. Um, and now, you, you know, months later, not even a year later, how things have just changed. How the tides have turned a little bit, interestingly. Wow. Um, but the one thing I did I mention about, and I don't have a ton of to say about this match, what uh, it was that when I was a kid, because I didn't watch a lot of WCW, um, 
older WCW when I was young, but little bits here and there. So I didn't watch a lot of Dustin Rhodes at all. I knew who he was because of wrestling magazines, but I didn't watch a lot of his old stuff. Meet him in, w, in you know, his gold dust. And as a kid, with being a kid, you know, you're so distracted by the gimmick. The by gimmick, yeah. flamboyancy, by the androgynous nature of the character that you don't actually, I didn't realize for years how fucking good he was. Oh, he's an like, incredible wrestler. He's one of oh the few God. wrestlers I've ever seen in my life, like, and I mean this, who makes it look effortless. He makes yeah. it look like he's not even fucking trying. That's how good he is. But he's been doing and, it for uh, does, Yeah, I, well, exactly. And it's just really cool to sound, look at him in 1998 and go, he was that good then too, and I didn't fucking notice. It's a shame. And if you look at the entire card, he's the only one still doing it in AEW. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The entire and, show. Yeah. And uh, he was so wrestles occasionally for but impact or some other shit. Yeah. But and that's it. Like full time him. Yeah. And I that's definitely still doing it. And I think that Lawler and Ross said during the commentary that Goldust was 30 in that match in 1997. So you're talking 24 years ago. Yeah. So he's 53, 54 now. And, still and, and, still, and still going and still pretty damn good. I mean, that's, nope. that says a lot. But, you know, you know, you're saying about Ken Shamrock, right? The world's most dangerous man, you know, at, at this point. And, like, y have you guys seen Free Guy? Have any of you guys seen Free Guy? Uh, no. Uh, Ryan no. Reynolds movie here, everybody, right? No. Uh, if, you've, if, if you've watched the commercials of that and seen it on TV, they've, they've shown you when Ryan Reynolds is battling the bulked up yeah, the version of him where he's all jacked. Where he's all jacked. Yeah. That was just yeah. Ken Shamrock in real life. <laughs> <laughs> just put Ryan Reynolds' head on it. <laughs> like, when you when you see people walking around Halloween with that inflatable muscle suit, that was Ken Shamrock's head on that body in real life. That oh, for dude, sure. <laughs> that dude was a fucking mountain. Um, so, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, could, and could move. Yeah, well, he's, he's very athletic. Absolute, legitimately legendary shoot legit fight and uh, unfortunately that's part of the problem is his physique in this match and what led to his downfall is because shamrock was over eight months before this shamrock was super over as a baby face fighting the nation fighting the rock rock is a super yeah. hot upper mid card heel and shamrock's a super hot upper mid card baby face unfortunately over the course of the summer they started realizing that they're running out of heels for steve austin to go with and so they started grooming ken shamrock started to turn him heel at this precise time, Shamrock started to let his outside of the ring activities get the better of him and started no showing a couple of shows. So all of a sudden, he goes from being primed after SummerSlam to possibly work with Austin and be the enforcer, and they start turning him heel. To he starts, he's got the Intercontinental title, but he's putting people over on TV, uh, and he's and he's the legitimately the bulkiest he ever was in his career is in this run right here. Uh, I made it like he's so super jacked. He's like in a can't touch your own back kind of jack, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you put a post between his shoulders. He's not getting yeah. yeah, his but, his arms didn't touch his side for like what, probably 20 years after no. that point. <laughs> but it's one of those times like and but he's like when you look at it on paper, he's the absolute what Vince McMahon wants. Here's a dude that everyone knows 100%. is a legitimate fighter. He's a good looking dude. He's built like a brick shit house and can work. 
It's yeah. just like what you got to ask yourself. It's like there's been a lot of people with far worse issues than Ken Shamrock that made a lot yeah. more money. What yeah. was really the yeah? What was the underlying the, issue there? Well, you know, when you see some of these guys that are that size, that are that big, that are that ripped. You know, I, I I always think back to to Brock Lesnar doing a shooting star press off the top rope at WrestleMania 19, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, a, a man that size should not be able to do that. Well, what is it? The second match of 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 the night for Ken Shamrock in the next round, he he does like an in ring step up Hurricane Rana flawlessly. Yeah. Like a guy that size shouldn't do that. He, no, he does it in the finish of this match. It was the finish he, of this match. Yeah. The finish of this match, he dives. From yeah. the ropes with a beautiful snap, Frankensteiner, yeah. and sets up the ankle lock. Uh, yeah, well, but it makes him tap. I, I want to do an episode sometimes purely about Goldust because it's fascinating the way, like his, the way how how he works and how you can't have two people who look more different than Ken Shamrock <laughs> and fucking Goldust. <laughs> I'm, Goldust I'm gonna, in there with him. I'm gonna throw out something. Uh, you you posed the question, kind of, you know. Well, okay, he looked this, he was great in the ring, you know, he looked amazing, all this stuff. You know, there are people making money with worse problems. What was the real underlying issue? I think I know what the issue was. If I'm head of talent relations, or if I'm Vince McMahon, or if I'm a corporate officer or creative officer, whatever, and I got some guy who I'm trying to make a big deal, and he's fucking around doing whatever he wants. But over here, I have Paul Avec, Dwayne Johnson, Mick Foley, Mark Calloway, Steve Williams, who want to just take the fucking ball and run with it. Oh, shit, man. I'm just going to get with these guys because they actually want the yeah. shit. Yeah. Fuck this yeah, guy you, because you, I'm going to keep handing it to you. You're like, well, I don't know. No, fuck that. That's, I see it. Yeah, and if you look at talent development side, like if you see those guys that want to take it there, like let him fucking take it there like don't let this guy hold you back because he's hesitant yeah let him just exactly let him be a mid-card guy like that's where he'll fall that's exactly what happened but shamrock does hit as dave mentioned a super sweet hurricanrana uh which sets up the ankle lock which is a a move that he got over that move was not over before shamrock and shamrock got the goddamn ankle lock over and it's the wwf shoot move and he taps out gold dust well you believe you believe it when he does oh, yeah. it, yeah, like, it looks pain. It looks painful when he does it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's you, like you, you I tap believe, out. Yeah, you believe he's going to snap that shit in half. Yeah, yeah. So good, dude. So good. But my rating for this match was two untouched backs out of five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next uh, match, the yeah. rock, the rock, <laughs> uh, and. What should have been Triple H, but still coming off his injury. Mm-hmm. So Patterson and Briscoe come I out of nowhere, living their best life, movie. acting like they're part of Degeneration X. Like these are two guys who, like in their prime, twenty years prior, were like legit wrestlers, and now they're yes. just these fucking like joke of a guys. Like just <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. Joke. Yeah. And, and so they're like, oh, it's Big Boss Man. <laughs> no, yeah, the Patterson and Briscoe, uh, first of all, when The Rock is fucking over, as soon as that music hits, right? Oh, and yeah. Fucking DX is over, because as soon as that fucking music hits. And then Patterson and Briscoe come out, and they're fucking over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? 
it's, it's, it's the most bizarre thing. It's just incredible to think about. And, and so many other times, you don't really get a lot of this now because most guys are agents. And most legends that are past their prime that don't work anymore, they're agents, but they're not going to come out and they're not going to absolutely ham it up and allow themselves to be put in brawn panty matches and, nope. and do all that shit. But those two, two fucking... They had zero... They had zero respect for themselves or their careers. They were just <laughs> doing whatever Vince wanted them to do. Like they, they were just, because of it. They were just looking for a crowd reaction, and they fucking got it every time. They did. And Jerry Briscoe. Sorry, go I, I was. I, I, sorry, I apologize. I was going to say, uh, you know, Jeff. I sort of agree. I don't think it's necessarily that at all. I think there is not because of their careers because. Jerry Briscoe was a bad motherfucking dude back in his shooter. day. Yeah. And he would he would stretch the shit out of anybody who looked at him the wrong way. <laughs> Pat Patterson's it's just a straight up deal. Pat Patterson's an absolute great of all time. It wasn't so much that they had no respect for their careers. They could go out and do all that stuff because there was not a single fucking man in that locker room who would give them a side eye about it. Yeah, they'd they do know. otherwise, yeah. Because they had so much respect for them. And they know that they get stretched if they oh, yeah. actually push them too hard. I really believe oh. that. Briscoe would hurt you, and Patterson was the one coming up with the finish for your matches. You so don't fuck you, better, over. you better fucking let them do it. If they're going <laughs> to come out the real American and drop a boot in a leg drop, they're going to fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and I think with any good promotion, you have to have guys that will buy into what you're trying to do. And, you know, we, we use the term company guys a lot when, when you talk about certain people and certain molds. But they, they, they understood what they were trying to accomplish with that gimmick with Vince and, and the corporation and, and how they're doing that. And they just understood to play that character to the T and, and you know, give them, give them credit for, for going all in with it because you know if you if you don't go all in with it you probably don't get the reaction that they probably needed to you know you just you just let whatever reservations you may have about it go and have fun with it and i i give them a lot of credit for that and i I think that the what sold it is how much fun they were having with it like like they totally were just living that like they're like this is awesome this is awesome for us. Like, yeah. like, yeah, it's like the, it's the second coming of Patterson and Briscoe. Like it, it was great yes. for them. And the Stooges. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah. No, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch as a fan. But yeah. They bring out boss man to be the replacement yep. for the hurt triple H. Uh, and he steps right in the ring. The belt rings and it's a fucking small package. <laughs> and we're the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. Small well, package roll up. Do, it- do a small package ever. But uh, yes. yeah. Yeah, no, boss man. Boss man didn't even know the match started and it was over. <laughs> no spoiler. Yeah. Just for the people, for the one person in the entire fucking world. Uh, shout out to Ireland now for being a fans of the podcast. So uh, for the one person hey. in Ireland who maybe isn't fucking uh, watching the show, uh, watched the show previously, knowing what we know about the finish and who is on whose side, this whole thing, uh, it's fucking a genius booking. Like in some of these matches, mm-hmm. it's so fucking clever because at the time you're popping like, yeah, the baby face, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, you motherfuckers! Oh, they were just easing the path for him the whole time. Yeah, you know, and and, and again, I, I go back to Boss Man being the un, you know the unsung hero of this pay per view, 
just the role that he was able to play driving the story at all these points in time because you know as as we get into what ultimately happens at the end of this pay-per-view with the rock which you know i, I will or will not spoil at this point um <laughs> you know you don't ca- i i didn't catch it when i first watched this when i was you know 15 years old and everything oh, yeah. but going back watching it and you can see how they're, they're <laughs> yeah. setting it up how it builds yeah how they're putting it's the crumbs in there yeah. you're not even thinking about it Mm-hmm. But when you go back now and you see it, you can just see how they're building that piece into what's going to happen at the end of this pay-per-view. And, and boss man just drives that, you know, as, yeah. as throughout the entire pay-per-view. And again, I, I get mad credit to, uh, to his role that he plays in this. For sure. For sure. Guys. Hey, I got to put a pin in this. I think we are going really long for actually this time for like a good way though. Right. I mean, it's fucking a really good wrestling show. So yeah. instead of uh, instead of not paying attention, why don't we put a pin in it? Let's take a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back in about thirty seconds on their on the listeners' most preferred podcast service. You guys good for that? Yeah, I'm down. Yes, for me, yeah. Do right. it. I just want I, I I desperately needed your consent before I, I proceeded. It's <laughs> the first time. That's the first time since my abduction, Noah, that you actually have asked that, and it will be the last time. But this won't be the last time, gentlemen, because we're going to come right back with Survivor Series 1998 Part 2. It's still a fucking deadly game. <laughs> deadly game! Nothing good. That's right. Nothing, Nothing good. good.